Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook, and this is a talk for the second Sunday of Lent, and it's based around the temptations of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Lots of people give up chocolate for Lent. I've never been sure what it is about chocolate that's so sinful we have to give it up. But if you're on that regime, good luck to you. I hope you hold out and those chalky eggs at Easter taste all the better as a result. But actually, temptation is the urge to do something wrong, something which will be destructive to you or to someone else, to turn off the right road onto the wrong one. It's a lure to your own destruction. Now, eating too much chocolate is certainly bad for you, but I don't think I'd put it into that kind of category. All of us are tempted, and the lure is far more powerful and far more destructive than a bar of chocolate. I want to look at the three temptations Jesus faced in the wilderness and ask what lessons they have for us. But first, I want to say a word about the devil. The Bible says less than you might think about the devil. Most of what we think it says comes from other writers like John Milton in Paradise Lost. It's all got mixed up with medieval fantasies and fears about pagan religions. The idea, for example, that the devil has horns and a tail has no roots in the Bible at all. But we are tempted. We're tempted from within by our own desires and from without by the pressure the world puts on us to conform to its standards. And we experience it as a battle. And it does feel as if something malicious is out there, willing our destruction. When the Bible does talk about the devil, it does so in those kind of literal terms. And I think we come closest to the truth when we do the same. It's more complicated than that, and one day we will understand the truth fully. But for now, I'm going to talk about the devil in those literal, personal terms, as the Gospels do. So the first temptation Jesus faced was to feed the wrong hunger. The Bible says that Jesus fasted for 40 days, and after it, he was hungry. Well, you bet he was. He was literally starving. He was weak, and he was also very near the end of his fast. This was a temptation to give up at the moment of victory. And it makes me think how often we give up at the moment when, if we'd carried on, things would have got easier. It's easy, isn't it, to listen to the appetites that shout loudest. We need to feed our bodies. We need to do all those kind of things that our bodies demands. But we also need to feed our souls. We need to listen to the deeper hunger and feed that. It is written, said Jesus, man shall not live by bread alone. When was the last time you paid attention to feeding your soul. The second temptation was to put God to the test. And this time the devil quotes scripture. And I suppose it's worth noting that just because someone can quote the Bible doesn't mean they're right. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if Jesus had done as the devil suggested? he'd thrown himself off the top of the temple what do we imagine would have happened would angels have swooped out of the sky and picked him up and 
placed him down in this place of safety? I don't think so. I think if he'd done it, he'd have hit the ground hard. We cannot expect God to protect us from the effects of our own stupidity. That is how the people of the Old Testament tested God, worshipping other gods, making false alliances, oppressing the poor, and as a result they incurred the wrath of the prophets, they ended up in exile, they ended up in a place of separation and distance from God. If we do destructive things, destruction will follow. God will allow us to make mistakes, even disastrous ones. It's part of the respect in which God holds us, the freedom that God gives to us. In some ways, this is the most basic temptation of all, because we all have within us a self-destruct button, and it's amazing how easily we find our hand hovering over it, with a little voice saying, go on, nothing will happen, it's not connected to anything. Just as the snake said to, the, to Eve in the garden, you won't die, it's an empty threat. Well, God doesn't make empty threats. We're quite capable of destroying ourselves. And on a bigger scale, if we pollute the planet, if we waste its resources or bombard each other with nuclear weapons, it will be our decision. God gives us that freedom even to destroy ourselves. We should not put the Lord our God to the test. The third temptation is to worship the wrong person. Let's do a deal, says the devil. I'll give you all this. Just think what good you could do with it. An end to hunger, war, misery and sin. All you have to do is worship me. It is written, says Jesus, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The kingdoms of the world weren't the devils to give anyway. He was incapable of delivering on any of his promises. But more fundamentally, he is a false god. That's the first commandment. He shall have no other gods before me. Now it's easy to see how worshipping the devil is a bad idea, although amazingly some people do just that. But even good things can be false gods. Some people worship their wives. Some people worship their children. Some people worship their job, or their house, or their garden, or their sport, or their computer, or their music collection, or add your own worship items here. Perfectly good things, but false gods. It's good to love your wife, but it's wrong to worship her. It's good to love your children, but it's wrong to worship them. It's good if you love your home, but it makes a poor God. If Jesus had given in to this temptation, it would have led to the destruction of the kingdoms of the world that the devil pretended to offer him. If we worship the wrong things, we destroy them too. If you worship your children, you will not be able to give them the love and freedom they need to be complete human beings. The same with your husband or your wife, your job or your home. Worship belongs to God alone because only God is worthy of it and only God can receive it without being damaged by it. If we want to be complete, healthy human beings, we need to worship the right person.
Then the devil left him. One of the features of temptation is that it comes with the whisper, you're not going to be able to avoid this. Resistance is futile. You're too weak. You might as well give in now and save yourself a whole lot of trouble. Actually, if we're strong enough to say no, the devil will leave us, at least for a while. Now we all know the first rule of dealing with bullies. You stand up to them. Everyone knows that. They only have the power over you that you give to them. They feed off your fear. If you refuse to give in, they will have no power. The devil is and always has been and always will be a bully and a coward. He's stronger than you, but terrified of God. If you invoke the scriptures, if you call for God's strength, if you face him down in the power of the spirit, he will flee from you. So if you've given up chocolate for Lent, don't let me stop you. Losing a few pounds is a fine thing. But it would be better to ask some more fundamental questions during the time between now and Easter. Am I feeding the wrong hungers? Am I listening to the demands of my body or my other appetites? I'm not listening to the need to feed my soul. Am I putting God to the test? Am I assuming that God will bail me out in some way or other because of my faith, when actually I need to be acting in a different way? Am I worshipping anything or anyone I shouldn't? Am I paying heed to that first commandment? You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The temptation to do these things, especially when we are at our weakest, is very, very powerful. But God is stronger, and if we resist the devil, he will leave us, at least for a while. May God bless this word to us. Amen.